The Hearing, a legal podcast from Thomson Reuters. Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Hearing. We are going to be talking all about expert witnesses in the justice system and recent research showing a considerable gender gap in who is being called up to give that expert testimony. I had assumed that we already had gender parity in the courtroom, but today's guests certainly opened my eyes as they are leading the campaign for change on that. Hello, I'm Catherine Britton. I'm a managing director and partner at Alex Partners in London. I'm a mathematician by background, and I qualified as a chartered accountant with a large London firm many years ago. I started work as an expert witness in the 1990s, so have almost 30 years experience now, primarily as an accounting expert witness, but also in quantum matters. I'm passionate about helping women to reach their full potential. I'm also very passionate about the role of experts and the critical role they play in helping courts and tribunals to reach their decisions. Hello, I'm Isabel Santos Kunzman. I am a managing director and partner at Alex Partners out of Washington, DC. I am an expert witness on damages and valuations, specialized in international arbitrations, both investor state and commercial. I have a master's in business administration from Georgetown University, and I have been in this field for the past 25 years. The hearing. I'm really, really interested to have you both here today because this is an area of the law that is not in my wheelhouse at all. Um, And so I'm always very keen and eager to learn about it. Um, But before we get onto the really interesting and juicy issues, could you please um, give us a quick refresher on the role of the expert witness? Why are they so important in proceedings? Um, Expert witnesses play a really crucial role in helping courts and tribunals to reach their decisions. So an expert witness would normally be a professional with a particular experience and expertise and that the judge or arbitrators would not normally have within their knowledge. And in our case, that might be accounting experience, business experience or calculating loss or damages. Um, Other experts might bring engineering or medical or handwriting, um, very specific skills and expertise to to assist the the courts. And they provide, the experts provide their opinions on specific issues that they're asked to consider. And courts and tribunals need to know that the experts, the expert witnesses, who are normally appointed by the two sides of the dispute, They need to know that they're going to provide completely independent, objective and unbiased opinions, even though they'll they'll have been paid by one of the parties. And expert witnesses will normally sign a declaration to the effect that they've done that as part of their report. And in some jurisdictions, they'll also sign a statement of truth. Um, And it's also worth bearing in mind that some experts will do this as an additional to their day job. So they might practice as an accountant or a surgeon, and then they'll do the expert witness work in addition to that. Whereas others, like Isabel and myself, we'll join teams where we actually provide expert witness services as our full-time jobs. So either way, experts do need to be able to communicate really clearly and to be able to get their 
opinion across to the courts with confidence. Fascinating. So I suppose we should really dive straight in there with the main question. How did you find out that there was a lack of women being called on as expert witnesses? What are the numbers around that? So, like many other professional services firms, consultant firms seem to have roughly 50% women at junior levels. But the higher up the ranks you go, the the lower the number of women that we see. And this is particularly an issue among testifying experts. Both Catherine and I have specifically seen many female number twos working with senior male experts that either stay on that role uh, for the duration of their careers or take significantly longer than their male counterparts to take on the the role of testifying expert. So, of course, these are personal observations and as a quantum expert myself and Catherine as an accounting expert, we wanted to see what the actual figures were. So, in 2020, We commissioned a survey and various analyses to put some hard numbers against the issue. And what we found through the survey is that 56% of arbitrators and lawyers had seen no women in expert roles in the last three years. And only 1% had seen four or more women. Sorry, can I just ask a clarifying question? Four or more women over what time frame? Over three years. Over the three years. Fantastic. Thank you. Yes. And this survey was sent out to some of the busiest lawyers and arbitrators um, who responded. Then an analysis of the exit awards from 2016 to 2020 showed that out of 75 awards, only 3% included female experts. And half of those were where the female was co-testifying with a male counterpart. Also, the PwC Quinn Mary survey showed that of the 180 ICC awards that they looked at, only 11% of them included female experts. And finally, the number of female expert witnesses listed by Who is Who Legal is about 14%. Thank you, Isabel. Catherine, what do you want to add? The important point in that last statistic is that the female expert witnesses in Who's Who's Legal are actually, they're they're placing their name in a directory, they're holding themselves out as as people who want to act as experts, so it's not actually an indicator of those that are actually being appointed, Mm. and that statistic is not dissimilar to what we see with the Academy of Experts and the Expert Witness Institute, which are two organisations for um, for expert witnesses, where if you take, for example, the um, Expert Witness Institute, they've got a membership of just under a thousand people, but less than 200 of those are women. And in almost every, every professional uh, discipline, with the exception of nursing, there are more men than women as well. So uh, I think it's really sad because these are indicators of women who are aspiring to be experts. And it's really sad that more women don't aspire to become experts because we do need to build that pipeline. Um, It's definitely a supply and a demand issue. Well, then let's talk a little bit before we get on to how we can address the issue. Let's talk a bit more about the issue. So 
huge lack of women being called as expert witnesses, but also a lack in the pipeline of women putting themselves forward for the roles. What are the implications generally and for justice, do you think, concerning the lack of women being called as experts? Given the importance of the expert witness role, it's vital that the pool of experts that are available are of the highest possible quality and also that they're sufficiently diverse to be representative of the professions and the whole population of the professions that they represent. So for this to be the case, it would make absolutely no sense to exclude potentially 50% of those potential experts who happen to be women. Um, Why would you want to lose all that great talent? Um, And yet that is what we're seeing in our profession and it does appear to be replicated in others. So equal numbers of men and women coming into the professions very often, but many fewer women are actually reaching senior levels and taking on the expert witness role. And it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy because as women see no one like themselves doing this role, then they're less inclined to become expert witnesses themselves. And I think that actually applies across all areas of litigation and arbitration, not just expert witnesses. So we need commitment to drive change not only from those who select and appoint the lawyers and the arbitrators and the experts, but also from those who can attract women into those roles, who can mentor them and help to build a strong pipeline of women who are aspiring to reach the top of their professions, whether that is um, as lawyers or as expert witnesses. Isabel. So diversity within the justice system is key in four respects. First, parties need to have the autonomy to be able to appoint experts from a diverse pool. Second, there has to be a system legitimacy and a diverse pool of experts shows that justice, both within countries and internationally, is not neo-imperialist or narrow-minded or oligopolistic. Third, increased diversity can help reduce groupthink as many studies have shown. And finally, lack of diversity leads to loss of talent, energy, and fresh ideas. Absolutely. The hearing. On the outside, you're a lawyer, calm and cool, but inside there's a passion to perform, a drive to be absolutely on your game. You prepare hour after hour, day after day, in the pursuit of excellence, relying on superior resources, serious preparation, and total confidence. That's the advantage we give you. Be your best with Thomson Reuters Practical Law. Obviously, um, you have been looking very keenly uh, and closely at the figures of women um, in expert witnesses. And that naturally med- led me to thinking, um, are there any figures about the ethnicity of expert witnesses or the proportion of LGBTQ or expert witnesses with disabilities? Um, are, are there the problems that we see with women and expert witnesses? Is that the uh, smaller part of a, a larger issue? Um, At this stage, we're not aware there are any figures for ethnic LGBTQ or disabilities specifically in relation to expert witnesses. Of course, gender issues are generally simpler to identify, if not to solve. Um, For example, an expert might be part of an ethnic minority in one jurisdiction, 
but his her, or her ethnicity might not be a minority group in another jurisdiction. And mm. um, sexual orientation and disabilities are not always visible or shared. Mm. So I think I can say that we honestly both feel very strongly that diversity in its wider sense is important in, in most walks of life, um, and including in all forms of dispute resolution. But with ERE, Equal Representation for Expert Witnesses, this initiative is one where we're focusing specifically on improving gender diversity for expert witnesses, while we also support all forms of other diversity. And I hope that the ERE pledge aspires to be a first step, really, in the direction of achieving more equal representation of all underrepresented groups of experts. We are aware of a number of other initiatives to improve diversity in dispute resolution. So there's our sister pledge, um, ERA, Equal Representation and Arbitration, um, whose founders have been very supportive to us in helping us to, to, to build out our pledge. Um, and that was started by a group at Freshfields, the lawyers. Um, there's also REAL, Racial Equality for Arbitration, lawyers and that was launched in January 2021. There's an ICC Disability and Inclusion Task Force which was launched in December 2021 and in the UK there's also a Women in the Law Pledge which where the Bar Council, uh, the Law Society and the Chartered Institute of Legal Executives have come together to uh, create a pledge to tackle the issues of gender equality in the legal profession. So there's a lot of other initiatives going on. I'm sure there's more that we're not aware of. Um, but these are clearly it's a very, very hot issue in uh, dispute resolution generally. A hot issue, as you say, and one that completely needs tackling, which means that then we have the difficult question of what are the solutions for this? So in our view, the first step, is to create awareness about the issue. And that's something that we've done by conducting surveys, publishing articles and studies, and speaking about the issue, like in this podcast. Several people have come up to us and were shocked by, the, by their answers to the survey that um, we conducted. It, it was just something that they had not thought about before. Then um, we've created a coalition of supporters and advocates in the world of dispute resolution that's across geographies, um, across law firms, expert firms, corporations, and also across different uh, ages. Finally, uh, we have also created guidelines that people and firms can commit to with concrete and actionable steps that the expert witnesses, legal and corporate communities can and must take towards achieving to increase on an equal opportunity basis the number of women appointed as expert witnesses in order to achieve a firm representation as soon as possible with the ultimate goal of full parity. So something that the arbitral bodies, courts and other institutions can do is where expert witnesses testify, they can collect and publish gender statistics of expert appointments. This is something that these institutions already do about arbitral appointments, but not about expert appointments. 
finally, when um, law firms put together their list of potential experts that they present to their clients, they should make sure that those lists are as diverse as possible. And within the consultant firms themselves, senior and experienced experts should support, mentor, and encourage women to pursue expert witness appointments and otherwise enhance their profiles and practices. What we've seen internally is that a lot of female consultants, after a certain point, they favor going into investigations rather than into expert uh, witnesses' careers. Also, um, something else that um, experts can do is whenever possible to provide opportunities to female experts to testify or recognize them specifically within their teams. Of course, this is a long-term issue and we all need to commit to stay on top of it and make sure that we measure and publish the successes and challenges of the various initiatives that we're currently implementing and those we will implement in the future to resolve the issue. So Isabel and I, with all of this in mind, felt that we needed to create the Equal Representation for Expert Witnesses pledge. And it was very much based on that response that Isabel's just described about people saying they just had no idea that things were as bad as they are. So we worked with interested parties across, um, again, as Isabel said, um, expert witness firms, law firms, corporates, anybody who was um, prepared to get involved and help us. Um, and we have been looking to, to, to launch something global and something that's going to uh, raise awareness um, across the whole dispute resolution piece. So we launched our website for ERE in May and already as of today we have 798 individuals who have signed up and taken the pledge uh, which is fantastic. We're delighted by the enthusiasm and commitment uh, that we've already generated and we have a steering group of 54 people literally across the world um, and some subgroups that are actually springing up as well uh, regionally but also um, a young practitioners group which already has representatives in London, New York, Dallas, Washington DC, Sydney, Singapore and Paris. So as you can see um, things are sort of taking off now under their own momentum and, and that's fantastic. That sounds absolutely wonderful and, and very quickly as well. Um, I think that Obviously, the people who listen to this podcast are, by and large, lawyers. And I'd imagine some of them are going to be lawyers who are in the process or may be in the process in the future of choosing expert witnesses. So my question to you now is, given that you have these lawyers as a captive audience, what could they specifically be doing in their um, area to address this problem? First... Something they can do is to ensure that the list of potential expert witnesses that they put together to present to their clients include a fair representation of female candidates. We know that a lot of times this list are done based on what has been done before rather than take more time and ensure that there is 
um, a fair representation of women candidates on those lists. Just take a little bit more time. Then if law firms or other organizations maintain databases of expert witnesses, just make sure that there is a fair representation of female candidates on those lists. Then where they have the power to do so, counsel, arbitrator, judges, and others who engage expert witnesses um, that can appoint them directly, make sure that um, they appoint female expert witnesses when it makes sense and encourage others to do the same. Finally, when it comes to uh, committees, governing uh, bodies, and uh, conference panels in the field of dispute resolution, make sure that uh, you include a for representation of female expert witnesses um, as speakers, representatives, and organizers. We really hope that all the lawyers listening will take the ERE pledge, if they haven't already, um, and they can read it and sign up at www.expertpledge.com. Um, importantly, it's not just about external counsel. So as Isabel has said, it's about the parties and their in-house counsel as well. Often they'll have their own diversity goals and they'll be quite strict about applying that to their external legal team. But we need them to think beyond just the legal team to the experts who the legal team will appoint on their behalf. So that, that would be great if they can just be making sure that the legal team also take that on board. And we'd like all the lawyers listening to help us to raise awareness amongst their colleagues and ideally encourage their organisations to take the pledge as well. We've got almost 100 organisations that have already done so and all of their logos are appearing on the ERE website. Well, thank you ever so much, both of you. I think what I've enjoyed most about this conversation is the clear routes to the solution that you've both laid out and are pursuing um, and that there's just so much that people can do to get started in addressing this. I think that's fantastic. Before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to add? I just want to highlight that Alex Partners as a firm has been a great supporter of what we're doing because as partners we're not just supposed to promote diversity internally but we also have to advance diversity initiatives that's part of our goals that we're evaluated on at the end of the year and in the end the two go together in that in order to attain diversity in the supply of experts you also have to make sure that there is demand for diverse experts. So our goal is to address both the supply and demand issue to break the self-fulfilling cycle of lack of diversity. Yes, and, and I'd just like to add that when we first discussed the idea for the ERE pledge within Alex Partners, there was a little bit of concern that Alex Partners is not where it likes to be or would like to be in terms of gender diversity. And I think that's probably very common amongst many organisations. But as a firm, Alex Partner has recognised the importance of all forms of diversity and was prepared to help us to promote ERE as an entirely separate brand in order to help raise awareness and drive change worldwide. Fantastic. Thank you both ever so much. I really appreciate you coming on and 
uh, I have learned such a great deal about something which is pretty important to justice um, in this country and many others, and I feel slightly ashamed that I hadn't educated myself on it earlier. The Hearing What I found so troubling about this is that it speaks to the heart of who gets to be considered an expert. Who has the knowledge, the skills and the gravitas to present to a court? Who we are more likely to be persuaded by? Who you want representing you in front of a judge? It challenges all of us to consider that, to consider who we believe. Thank you very much to my guests for bringing up this thorny issue and thank you all for tuning in and listening to us. If you enjoyed this episode, then please do like and subscribe for future content and send us a message at thehearing@tr.com. The Hearing, a legal podcast from Thomson Reuters. To find out more, go to tr.com forward slash the hearing or subscribe via iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.